0: Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon, where we bring you success stories from business leaders and owners about their triumph and growth in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas community. You'll hear about how Bentonville has been the backdrop for incredible growth, not only for businesses and their employees, but in their personal lives. In season two, we're highlighting Bentonville's thriving and growing mobility sector, where we're pushing boundaries and making history. Get ready to hear about everything from bikes to aerobatic planes to drones, air taxis, flying cars, and a whole lot more. Tune in, subscribe, and enjoy hearing about Bentonville, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the leaders and businesses behind Bentonville's meteoric rise. In season two, we're talking about mobility. That's everything from bikes to flying cars, things in between, like drones and autonomous vehicles. And today, we're talking about aerobatic planes. And so I'm delighted to have in the studio today with me Josh Richards, Chief Operating Officer at Game Composites, which is building the world's finest aerobatic airplane right here in Bentonville. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Sure. So, uh, let's, well, let's buckle those seatbelts and get ready to fly. As we take off, I'd love it if you could tell the audience about you. What would you like the audience to know about you and your passion for aviation and for building aerobatic aircraft?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first thing is I'm not a transplant, I'm a replant. So I grew up in Bentonville, um, graduated from Bentonville High School in 99, and uh, at the time I looked around and said, this is not the place to be, and I promptly left, um, spent some time in the U.S. Air Force, uh, and then after... Period of about six years of service. I got out, got an engineering degree, and 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 moved on from there. So I spent most of my adult life in the Pacific Northwest in the state of Washington. I was a nuclear engineer for the Navy for a number of years, and got into project management and uh, some engineering management roles, and then that transitioned into aerospace manufacturing. And so uh, prior to game composites, I spent a lot of time in in contract manufacturing, so making parts for Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Airbus um a lot of defense contractors and then um I would say uh middle of last summer decided to take a trip back back home as they would say and visit my parents and I hadn't been back in Bentonville in almost 10 years and was just blown away at we'll say the growth and the development that had happened across the region and so after a quick talk with my wife I said I think this is the place we need to be and and um decided to look at at coming back and Never in a million years did I think I would be able to stay in aviation manufacturing, which is what I'd really come to appreciate. But found Game Composites and and uh, lucky enough, decided to, to come on board. So it's it's been a really good ride over the last about 10 months since I've been back here. I would say that I'm a bit of an oddball at Game Composites in the sense that I didn't grow up with a strong sense of passion for aviation. I got into it because it was a natural fit you know, in the manufacturing space. High risk mm-hmm. work, right? The things you do matter. And that's that's really important to me. I, I would never make it in a in a typical manufacturing setting if it wasn't making really important stuff. Um, and so, game composites is cool because we get to make you know the world's finest aerobatic aircraft uh, right here in Bentonville, in the town that I grew up in, and I never would have imagined that.
0: That's pretty cool. I see a lot of parallels there with my own story. I left in '91 for all the same reasons and worked my way around the country and returned here two years ago um, or about a year and a half ago. And uh, that's, that's a pretty cool story. I like it. Well, let's talk about Game, game Composite. Will you share some uh, background and history and kind of bring us forward to where the company is today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the company founders, Stuart Walton and Philip Steinbach, um, they first met in England in 2010 formed a friendship and then in 2013 decided, hey let's let's start a company. Let's build airplanes. Um, so within a year, so early 2014, the first tools were already made. and uh, about 18 months after the full, after they took delivery of the first tools and molds to make the airplane, um, we achieved first flight. So it was middle of 2015. And then one year exactly one year later, the plane gamebird or GB1 was displayed at Oshkosh in 2016. A couple months later, received type certification from the European Space Agency, right, so EASA, and then right after that, FAA certification for the aircraft. And so about that same time is when the company relocated from the UK here at Bentonville at BBT Airport. And uh, uh, they moved into a a brand new facility, 40,000, 43,000 square feet. And then um, shortly after that, started delivering to customers. So I think the first airplane was delivered in 2019. And here we are three years later and we are getting ready to deliver serial number 52. So we produce 24 aircraft a year. So one every two weeks to a wide range of customers. Right now we're currently building one aircraft. So that's a high performance, unlimited aerobatic capable two seat aircraft called the Gamebird. So part of that history that's important is that the company was never really just founded to build GameBirds. It was always about creating, you know, being a significant player in aviation manufacturing, right? So uh, maybe not a Boeing right out of the gate, but somebody who makes a difference and really makes a splash in
0: in the environment. And that's going to be great for Bentonville. If you had to sum up the mission of Game Composites in just a few words, what would that look like? Well,
1: it starts with building the world's finest aircraft. I I think that's first and foremost. So uh, in the world of aviation, quality is king. So you have to have a good product, but you have to make it consistently and you have to make it safely. And that's one thing that we do extremely well is consistent, safe, high quality product that's made in the United States, made right here in the heartland, as they say, which which is pretty cool. We sell our aircraft all over the world. We've sold them in South America and Europe and Africa. Getting ready to make delivery into Malaysia and other places, so you know we're kind of a big deal. Yeah. Which I'm proud proud to be a part of that. That's great. Well, you know it is a beautiful aircraft. Uh, sometimes I
0: sit out at Osage Park and watch the uh, planes leave and come back into uh, Thaden Field, and I love watching the Gamebird uh, take flight and come back and land. And it's a beautiful plane, but it seems obvious that it's really powerful and unique uh, as well. Will you talk about the Game Bird and how it was developed and sort
1: of the why behind it? Yeah. What's so special about it? Yeah. So um, one of our co-founders and our CEO, Philip Steinbach, um, he, he grew up in aviation. He was flying from a very young age. He got into light aircraft, glider manufacturing in Germany. Um, and then through those experiences, got into uh, not just fabrication, but um, test flight design. And, and through, I'll say, a life of experience and performing at a very high level in unlimited aerobatics that's the basis for the design so you have somebody who's lived in that that world for a long time and knows you know where the gaps are in the current product offerings and so um, that was sort of the basis for uh when Philip and Stuart partnered together is like well, what do we need to do different to make a to make a mark you know in this in this world and so uh, the gamebird is a little bit different in the sense that it's a true two seat unlimited aerobatic capable aircraft. So a lot of the competition aircraft for aerobatics are single seat. Um, so we we have two seats. We can hold a considerable amount more fuel, um, which is really important for, we'll say, the American market, right? So mm-hmm. where a lot of aerobatic aircraft design are designed or in Europe, and the need to fly extreme distances just isn't there. But that was one of the things that, that we wanted to make a, di- make a difference, so that's, that's a big part of it. So you can carry luggage. You can fly comfortably uh, with two people. It has a fantastic range. Um, there's, you know been articles out recently. It's easily a 1,000 nautical miles with a full load of gas, and that's with room to spare. So um, I know Philip came back recently from a trip in central Idaho, nonstop, five, five and a half hours with still an hour of gas to go right into Bentonville. So um, it performs at a high level. You know, it it checks all the box to perform in competition, but it's got some of the creature comforts that I think people just, you know, come to really appreciate and expect. So, the the fit, the finish, the ergonomics of the cockpit, how comfortable you are, along with really high performance
0: aircraft. Neat. Um, So, you mentioned single seat uh, versus uh, uh, two seats. Is there a a reason y'all chose two seats? No, that's a question I didn't prepare you for.
1: Yeah, no, that's um, two seats is very important because, well, first off, people like to have fun with other people, right? So that's, that's important is to be able to share experiences and the game bird helps you do that. The other side is where there's, there's definitely a growing market is for training, particularly with upset pilot recovery training is is starting to be an emphasis with a lot of the airlines and, and commercial operators. Um, so you can do that in a Gamer because you can have a training pilot and a trainee in the same aircraft at the same time because it's built for aerobatics. It's high performance. It's a very forgiving airplane when you're learning how to perform some of those basic recovery maneuvers. Um, so that's a benefit too. Very cool. So,
0: you know, a couple of months ago, uh, you took me for a tour of uh, game composites factory and i got to see sort of the process of building a game bird from the ground up for
1: our audience can you talk about that what, th- what that's like so they can experience it yeah too? yeah it's really cool uh for me it was really neat coming from um as i mentioned more of a contract manufacturing environment where you're building sub assemblies and assemblies and you're putting them in a box and mm-hmm. the box goes away to the customer and in this case, we get to deliver to each one of our customers and see that expression. So when we start an aircraft, it's, it's a very you know, symbolic thing that you know, we start with laying at the lower fuselage section. Um, you know, Ten weeks later, you have a, an aircraft that's ready for flight tests and it's getting delivered to the, to the customer. So we spend about four weeks uh, physically constructing the, the structure of the aircraft in our composite shop. Um, and then it moves over to the bodywork, paint and finish side where it spends about another four weeks over there, getting all the body lines right and getting everything to fit just the way it needs to. And then the paint schemes, of, as you've seen, can be everything mm-hmm. from mild to wild. Um, and we see a lot of customers now that want a really custom experience. And so um, one of the challenges of, of running a manufacturing business, you know, with an operations mindset is like, how do you give a custom experience, but in a repeatable fashion that's, you you know, you can count on and you can deliver to. So after four weeks getting paint, it goes over to final assembly. And in just two short weeks, we go from building the wiring harness and installing that into the fuselage and all the mechanical connections for flight controls, hydraulic systems, the engine, the avionics, all the interior components, um, seat belts and, and safety equipment. It all gets put together in, in just two short weeks, and then it's, it's ready for flight tests. And a couple of days later, it's ready for the customer to pick up. And so, because most of our customers are domestic, it's really, it's really nice to see them walk in and see the thing that they have dreamt about, um, that they've helped design the way it looks and, mm-hmm. and to watch their faces. It's really, really cool and something special that we get to do right here in Bentonville. Cool. So
0: do they come to Bentonville to pick it up or do you take it to them?
1: Most of the time they come to Bentonville. So part of our, you know, part of our creed and our mission is to make sure people are confident, comfortable and safe flying the aircraft. And so they get um, training when they purchase an aircraft. And so that training is generally done here at Bentonville. Uh, most of the time they get a little bit of training before they take delivery and then they come back and then they finish their training in their aircraft. Um, so we get to see almost every single customer, only only the ones that, that get shipped overseas. Um, we we may not see them, um, but almost all of them we do. Very cool. So you guys are trailblazers. Um, what's it like to really chart
0: ground in advanced manufacturing in a region where
1: that hasn't really existed before? Uh, good question, and that's the that's that's the real sticking point of you, you know of what we're trying to do here is you know we've got a great ownership group, we've got a world class facility, we've got a top notch product, got great great people, uh, but how do you grow that and expand that? Like you said, in a region that's just not historically known for advanced manufacturing. I I use the example sometimes with people. Um, so I worked in the greater Seattle area for about ten years, and in the greater Seattle area, there's there's a a culture embedded there of you know uh, fabrication uh, in aerospace and other industries such as uh, shipbuilding and and shipyard maintenance. But there's this like culture of of you know skilled hands on work, and you know that culture isn't a isn't naturally embedded in Northwest Arkansas today, and what we're doing is helping to blaze that trail, as you put it. Um, so, how do we make people understand and get excited for high-skilled manufacturing jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's again part of the crux of of what we do. So, I work. I spend a considerable amount of my time uh, partnering with different, you know, resource groups and agencies in Bentonville and in the greater Northwest Arkansas region on um, how do you get people from a young age to know that number one, this is a a viable career path. Um, So get interested in aviation, get interested in advanced manufacturing and the technology that exists today. It's not, it's not our grandfather's manufacturing type facility um, where it's just a stifling backbreaking work. Mm -hmm. Um, It's much more advanced, a lot more technology embedded into it. And we need people that are are ready to outthink us, right? As they say. We need people that that really want to learn how things work and, and take a take on the responsibility of that of that craft and that trade. And so, so we're we're working towards that. I know the the collaborative here in Bentonville and Extension of the University of Arkansas has been a huge help on, you know, designing and developing pre-apprenticeship and, and training classes for us. I've spent a lot of time with some of the local school districts and and visiting what we, we would consider their, their shop classes, sure. which are way beyond what shop class as we knew it is today. It's, it's really advanced. And they're taking you know, young adults and getting them excited about um, these high, high technology or, or um, you know, manufacturing type jobs. And so, that's, that's where I'm working is to get people excited for that because game composites we've got a trajectory that we want to hit, right? We're working on our next aircraft and we're expanding our facility, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, and it's, if you build it, you must perform now, right? <laughs> um, and so how do, how do we, you know, how do we build up this pipeline of talent that's ready to go into this, this exciting career of aviation and manufacturing? And that challenge is what really enticed me back to Bentonville is, you know, how, as a framer, of this ecosystem. Like, where do you start? H- how, d- how does it happen? Right. Um, and it's a lot of work, but it's fun. It's fun to see that growth over time and think big picture. So that's exciting. That is exciting. That's uh, part of what drew me here uh, as well.
0: When we were thinking about where it was, we were going to move. Uh, our last stop was Memphis yeah. where we worked for quite a while and had to be here, uh, be somewhere where the, I'll say the community was rapidly changing in, in some way, in a positive way, and have an opportunity to sort of be part of that. And now I sit inside the buildings that the Bentonville Collaborative is, and I see all this amazing activity happening there, spend time over at Ignite, uh, and see, you're right, the kids, what they're, <laughs> what they're involved with today is not like our shop classes. I mean, they're playing with robots, and I'm not talking about, you know, the little ones you might build, but industrial robots. and It's, it's amazing. So, uh, going back to the factory for a moment, is everything uh, with the game bird built right here in Bentonville?
1: Not everything. Uh, the vast majority of it is built here, and part of our expansion is to help us vertically integrate further. Right. So, how do we bring more work into Northwest Arkansas? So, a couple key components that are that are not made here is our carbon fiber fabric um, is brought in from Germany. Our engines are. Uh, I don't want to say an off-the-shelf item, but it's a standard a standard certified piece of equipment, avionics mm-hmm. get from Garmin out of uh, Kansas, and then some of our metallic components. So some of the, the brackets and assemblies like rudder pedals, uh, that stuff is not made in Arkansas, but that's what we're working hard to bring here. And so first, we've got to have the space to do it. Um, next, we've got to have the talent to be able to help us make that stuff. And, you know, because it's, it goes on airplanes, this isn't just make it into your garage. It's make it demonstrate that you can do it consistently and get it certified through governing bodies. That's a big challenge. Um, but that's, that's what we're here for is to do those sort of things.
0: Yeah. So you, we talked a little bit about the production. This isn't, um, I guess, mass production, so to speak, we're talking build to order. How does the customer usually find out about the game bird? and uh, then what happens for them, order through delivery. We talked a little bit yeah. about delivery.
1: Yeah, so customers come from all walks of life, um, all demographics, and they hear about a game bird in many different ways. Some of, it, some of, some of the, the early adopters were through just internal connections, right? Mm-hmm. People that we know. Um, other people have been sort of, you know, sitting on the peripheral and watching what's happened, you know, with a, with a new aircraft, OEM, you know, what are they doing over there? Are they really going to make it or are they not going to make it? And so now we're at a point to where we've got enough game birds that are throughout the country and parts of the parts of the world to where people learn about game birds without ever interacting with us. It's they saw one in a hangar somewhere. Their friend has one. They did some training somewhere with one. So it, it, they come from all different, all different walks of life. I'll say as far as how the purchases go, sometimes it's a long drawn out, you know, hand wringing sort of decision. Others are ready to hit the I believe button and and they sign a contract right away. But like you said, we we are a, a make to order. We don't have uh, a bunch of airplanes sitting around ready for buyers. We're we we like to sit between a, about a nine to twelve month lead time, and that's right where we are right now. We sort of keep it that way so that nobody's disappointed in having to wait three years to get something that they really really want. But uh, yeah, once they once they sign a contract and put a little bit of money down, then the, they're brought into the family and. And like I said, it's about a nine month nine month wait, and what two and a half months out we start building their aircraft, and and that's how it happens.
0: I got to tell you, nine to twelve months
1: sounds pretty reasonable if you uh, put that up against mountain bikes these days. It, it really does, yeah. Especially when you compare it to to other aircraft, people are waiting years and years to get to get these wow. types of aircraft. So. Um, so we're in We're in a good spot. We're in a good market. And again, this, this aircraft is not for just anybody. It's, you know, you have to have a high performance and a tailwheel endorsement to fly it. And so it's, it's kind of the equivalent of like, um, just because you got your driver's license with a Ford Taurus doesn't mean you're really ready to drive a Ferrari. Right. right. <laughs> and that's, ki- that's kind of how the, these aircraft perform is at a very, very high level. Very cool. You mentioned a moment ago. Let's talk about your
0: expansion and growth plans. What does that look like?
1: Yeah, so... um so when I started uh, last fall, we were sitting at forty-three thousand square feet, and we're adding fifty thousand square feet to it. So we've got ten thousand of that is already complete and expanded on, and then and then the remainder is going on the north side of our facility right here on I Street, um, and we should be wrapped up right at the right at the end of the year. So the expansion does a couple things for us. I Already mentioned one, it helps us vertically integrate some of our products that go into the aircraft. We want to build as much stuff as we can in Arkansas. On the other side of it is we've got big plans for the company on on what's next, right? It's not just about a game bird. So we're working on what we call GB2, right? So that, so the second iteration or the second version of aircraft for game composites. And what's exciting about that is that's a, it's a very mission-oriented platform. So it's gonna be focused on wildland fire suppression. Um, so there's a, a great need for more product to enter that space. Um, and we think that the technology that we use for light aircraft construction, aerobatic sphere will go hand in hand with wildland firefighting and agricultural space so um, we've got a lot of excited people that are watching closely on that in fact uh, we've sold some game birds to to folks that that do that sort of work for the live for a living and and that was part of the inspiration to do something bigger better for the overall community so that's in in design work right now so we're kind of in what I feel I or Philip would call it kind of the fun part, figuring out how it looks, right? Figuring out how it needs to perform, and then um, we've already started making a few tools to do, to get some prototype parts. Um, so we're hoping towards the end of 2025 to have a flying prototype come right out of Bentonville. So that so that'll be exciting, and that's one of the big reasons for that expansion.
0: And that's neat. I can't wait to see that. So sounds like obviously this is a significant expansion. Uh, what sort of opportunities then are going to be available for workers? And what does an ideal employee look like for your company?
1: Yeah, so um, lots of opportunities. So you know, when a when an aerospace manufacturer grows in this nature, it, you need people from to fill all positions because everything grows pretty consistent with that. I think the the thing that keeps me up at most nights thinking about is how we're going to get people excited to go into the production floor side of things. How do you get people excited to work in aviation and to understand the seriousness of that job? And then to realize that this, this doesn't have to be a, well, I don't have anything better to do with my life kind of career choice. Um, you can do a lot um, by starting out in a production environment in aviation. So so we're going to need a lot of those uh, type of folks. Um, on the flip side of that, um, people that would traditionally go through a four-year Process that to get a degree. We're going to need those too. So engineers, uh, people in finance, people that uh, work in training and development, and human resources. So all departments are going to grow exponentially once that aircraft starts to work towards final certification. Um, and then it's going to be game on, as they say. Um, so what's the what's the ideal person look like? Um, so I've had this question several times, particularly with people in in uh, the education industry, and I I tell them this. So. Number one, you have to have people that really care about what they're doing. They got to understand that, that that task, everything that they do matters greatly because one mistake that goes missed can have grave consequences, not just for the person operating the aircraft, but for the company in general. Um, so they have to care. They got to really understand that. The second thing is, I would say, uh, particularly on the production side, having people have a good understanding of just how things work. We don't need people that have years and years of experience in composite fabrication. Um, one, because th- those are very hard to find in the United States. But two, those are the things we're really good teaching. But we like people to have a good foundation of you know, solid you know, mathematics skills, good communication skills, people that have great interpersonal uh, skills, You know, being able to work in a team and to resolve conflicts and work through problems. Those all make great employees. I think people that really have high expectations of themselves. Um, so just because you, know, you, you may be starting in a production technician role doesn't mean that we don't want to build a deep bench of leaders within this company. And that's the hardest part about being in what I'll say operations management is we're constantly trying to find people who really want to take an, the next step to a higher level of leadership and be leaders within the company. Um, so all those make, make great employees. The, the rest is just getting the product made.
0: Nice. Um, so yeah, like many businesses, you can teach the skills, you need people with interpersonal skills, people who really understand how things work. You really hit all the, I, I feel like you hit all the levers in terms of what I call, I hate the, the term soft skills. People use that one a lot. I hate that one. I, I like to call it essential skills. I
1: was just going to say essential is the right word. Cause they're not soft skills, they're not hard skills, they're essential skills to operate, you know, today.
0: Right. And then pair pair onto that really high expectations. Uh, t- and I love that. So why Bentonville? I mean, other than the obvious that Stuart Walton is already here, but uh, what about the business case? And perhaps this is a, a two-part question. Um, why is Bentonville the perfect place for game composites? And then what's happening in aviation here that supports that?
1: Yeah. So um, why Bentonville? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, If you're going to talk the talk, you should walk the walk. And if Mm -hmm. you want to make a community that um, has a sustainable, robust, and dynamic economy, you got to be willing to invest in that. So it's part of, the, I think, the vision of what a lot of leaders in this community have for for Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas in general is to be sustainable, dynamic, robust economy. And you need lots of different businesses to do that. Um, Bentonville in particular is... um, is really nice because it's a place where people want to be, and uh, that didn't that didn't hit me until way too late when I when I came back to town in 2021, and I said, "Wow, this is a place where I want to be." Um, so it's easy to get people to co- to want to come to Northwest Arkansas for work and life um, because of all the things that. Um, that happen here, as far as um, the community, the culture, um, the diversity um, that exists here is is something that's that it's not everywhere, right? And I can tell you that coming yeah. from everywhere, and you know that too. I think you know the mid South is a great region, Northwest Arkansas in particular, because all the things that uh, that make it affordable in a place want a place that you want to be, they still exist here. So it, it's I'll say labor costs are reasonable. In Northwest Arkansas as compared to you know when I was out in mm-hmm. Seattle, m- much, much different. Northwest Arkansas is centrally located. So when it comes to being an aviation or an airplane manufacturer, it's actually really, really nice because we can have people from the East and the West Coast c- converge in mid-America. It makes it more convenient than you might think um, versus being on one coast or the other. So the central location is really important. And then, you know, we talked about breaking trail. I think game composites, um, if I had to put words into our founders' mouths, you know, game composites is a trail breaker. Um, and what better place to do it than, than your hometown? I'm making a
0: note of that phrase, trail breaker. That's now part of my uh, lexicon, if you will.
1: <laughs> yeah, we need to think of a more aviation-specific term to relate to trail breaking, but I think we all get the idea.
0: Uh, It works. Mountain biking capital of the world. It it works for us. So what's your pitch to other business leaders, especially those in aviation for uh, Bentonville, for why they should have a presence here to take advantage of what's happening in this place? Yeah.
1: So the thing that stood out to me the most from day one is how many organizations and people are here to help. I really struggled with getting support on apprenticeship training or technical training for employees or whatever it might be. Um, Bit you know small business assistance. How do I deal with this? How do I do that? Um, and here there is there is no lack of people that are willing to help to see you be a successful entity in this community. Um, so that's first and foremost um, is the help that's here, the investment in the community that's here, um, whether it be the culture, right? As far as like what do people do when they're not at work? Very robust here, and people have talked about that um, on and on and on. So I won't rehash it, but. Um, again, it's just a place where people want to be. It's a great community. It's a hardworking community. Um, People want to see it succeed. It's very um, diverse and equitable and balanced um, You know, in a world today that's very polarized. Mm -hmm. We see that a lot. Um, And so it just feels comfortable to be here. And like I said, there's a lot of people with bold ideas coming into Northwest Arkansas, Bentonville in particular. So um, if you want to be a part of that, if you want to um, combined forces, this is a great place to meet. So there's lots of reasons to be in Bentonville. Very few not. That's right. Uh, you know,
0: that I've noticed that is the type of person who's attracted here, sort of people with bold ideas that want to do big things. They're not interested in just living life, so to speak. They're interested in a great life, but they're interested in building something. And it just seems to be one person after another is coming here with that mindset. And I think it's important to note,
1: too, that there's people it's not just people that have the flexibility to work from home, or people that are, you know, in, in these in a high tech role um, that are coming to Bentonville. I, we have plenty of people that have come on board in the last six months um, at Game Composites that um, they worked in manufacturing um, in Bend, Oregon, in Spokane, mm-hmm. Washington, in Southern California, and they want a better life for themselves and their family, and they view Northwest Arkansas and Bentonville as a place to get that. And I was really blown away that it that that it was that prevalent here. Um, but it's true.
0: You bet. So let's start December, start bring this thing in for a landing uh, by talking more about your experiences here in Bentonville. So you got here, I think we mentioned earlier, in the last year, about a year after I did. Um, how has your experience been so far? And what's been the most surprising thing to you about this community coming home?
1: Yeah, so uh, my experience has been great. Um, It still feels like hometown, uh, Mm -hmm. just like everybody, you know, you walk down the street and everybody says hello. And it just is a very welcoming environment. Again, coming from um, from a C- the Seattle area to where nobody says hi to anybody, right? The, the Seattle ice is real. Being here, it just felt feels very welcoming for sure. So so that's really nice. One of the surprising things for me uh, being, I'll say, displaced from Arkansas for so many years is, again, I, I kind of come back to how diverse it is. And Mm -hmm. I think that's so awesome. You know, I, I, one of the things that kept me away from Bentonville for so long is, you know, I, I'd lived in the big city. I've, I've spent months working in Japan and Southern California and Seattle, you know, lived in Seattle. And so I was afraid that I'd be giving up this, this really engaging, exciting, diverse lifestyle. And I was just blown away to see that in Bentonville. And it's really, really awesome to see that
0: for sure. It is very awesome to see. That's an experience I worried about, you know, coming back to Arkansas and man, things have changed (laughs) in a huge way. Tell me a story, something that you would call a hashtag because Bittenville moment, something that maybe could only happen here or at least represents the uniqueness of this place.
1: Yeah. So I was thinking about this question before coming here and the first thing that just popped into my mind was, so I, like everybody around here, I like riding bikes, Mm -hmm. um, uh, my forte is is gravel riding, right? So not quite on the road, but definitely not a mountain bike. And so earlier this spring, I participated in an event in an event. It was the uh, double barrel gravel ride hosted mm-hmm. by the Benton County uh, Quail Unlimited chapter, along with Fat Tire on the bike shops here. And um, when I signed up for the event, one of my buddies said, "Hey, we got to do this," and and I signed up. And I looked at it and I said, "You mean we're going to ride for seventy one miles?" Across dirt roads in Northwest Arkansas, and we're going to finish with shooting skeet and a crawfish boil. He said, "Yep." I said, "Only in Bentonville, man. Only in Bentonville." And that's one of many events like that that I've I've come to find out exist here. Um, so the the ability for different tribes to come together and for those tribes to interact is really cool, and that's a that's a great example of one where you've got people that are great and you know, great sports. Sports people or sportsmen like shooting guns, quite Unlimited, and then you've got bikes and you combine the two with a crawfish boil and everybody has a great time.
0: <laughs> you can't go wrong with that. Okay, last question. Let's land this thing. Uh, what's something that I didn't ask that I should have asked you?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I thought a lot about this question um, again and, you know, we kind of hit on it a little bit. I guess I'll say this is like, you know, what's the hardest part of my job? Like, if you just asked me that direct question and I would jump straight to getting people excited for manufacturing, getting people excited to be uh, trades people and craftspeople in this industry, that's the hardest thing about what I do. Um, and I really hope to make a difference here in that. I hope to get people excited in it and to prove through game composites that um, it's a wonderful way to spend your working life in, in an industry like this, doing things like this. It's super rewarding. It's way better for a lot of people than sitting in a cubicle or sitting at home in your home office. Um, so I would say that's that's probably one question that that I really want to just hammer home is, is that.
0: That's a great one. I, you know, I feel like in this country, we sort of push manufacturing out. We told everybody they had to go to college, get the four-year degree, which is great. I mean, right? Uh, But then we sort of taught everybody that manufacturing wasn't okay, which doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I'm glad that uh, the winds are changing. And I'm glad there's companies like Game Composites uh, really leading the way to change that, too. Um, I guess we'll have to do a go-around because I missed a question. And that is, who has been the most influential person in your career, whether that's a, a mentor or somebody who's really inspired you and why?
1: Yeah, great question. So uh, Denny Keller is his name. That's the the easiest one to answer. Um, I was very, very lucky. After I got out of the Air Force, um, I worked, I basically did the same job. I was a survival evasion resistance and escape instructor. So I got out and I, I still did that job just in a contracting capacity. And my first boss who's come to, he, he's definitely my number one mentor Denny um, I worked for him and I was going to to school full-time and I was working full-time uh, and I went through I uh, went to Gonzaga went through an engineering program there and uh, he was so instrumental in motivating me to uh, to continue to push through it to let me know that that I was super capable um, I had plenty of smarts and drive to do it and he just he just kept kept me motivated through that experience. And, and after I graduated and I took my first engineering job, um, we stayed very close and even to this day. And he's just, he's just one of those people in your life that I feel like everybody should have, right? The, the motivator, the confidant, uh, the person who will bop you upside the head when you need it, right? And he'll rain you back down to earth. Um, but he'll also... Uh, continue to motivate you to shoot for the stars. And so um, Denny is that person for me. And I'm very lucky that he's part of my life.
0: That's great. Yeah. Everybody should have somebody in their life who has high expectations for you. Like you said, can motivate you and, and bring you back down to uh, real life uh, and and keep you, keep you grounded and moving forward. That's great. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for sharing your time and experiences and Uh, Thoughts with us here today on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Loved hearing more about game composites and your part in the community. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, so um, to our audience, you know, we're deeply grateful for your support and feedback. So uh, visit com where you can see all of our episodes of the Bentonville Beacon podcast, but also uh, for now, until we set up a different way, go to the contact page and provide uh, feedback to us in, in that way. Uh, about the podcast and keep coming back to learn more about Bentonville and its leaders and Northwest Arkansas, this place where you can get more of what you want and less of what you don't. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Bentonville Beacon podcast. We hope to see you next week.